unwanted sports opinions, unpopular thoughts. Yet, you should immediately adopt. It's the Half of Our Sports Show with Jay and Jimmy. Join us Tuesdays and Saturdays at noon Eastern at WMQGRadio.com, our website, halfabirdsportshow.com, and the Spreaker app. Searching Half a Bird Sports Show. People, my name is Eric, and welcome back to the show where I give you a week by week look at my experience with my wife's pregnancy. This is week 30, and our baby boy is the size of a cabbage. Since I last talked to you, we had another normal normal doctor's visit, and we got a chance to tour the hospital where it's all gonna go down. Uh, we looked at some of the labor and delivery rooms. We saw the areas where the C-section ORs are. You can't really walk into those because they are clean rooms, because there are surgeries that happen in those rooms. And leading a tour through them is a bit antithetical to having a clean room. Um, So we just kind of saw the area where they were. Um, Hopefully we don't have to mess with those at all because nobody wants that. And then we also saw the recovery room where they like to have you for, I think it was like a day or two. If you have a vaginal delivery and a little bit longer, if you have a C-section, um, we didn't actually choose to use this particular hospital. It just kind of happens to be, uh, where Camille's OBGYN does deliveries. Like the group that her doctor is in, they kind of do deliveries at this hospital. So since she's had this doctor, since she's lived in Atlanta, the doctor does the deliveries there. That's where we're going. So we didn't choose the hospital, but I am a fan of this hospital. Like everything that we've seen about it has been dope. We've only, we've been there a few times. Um, Like I said, we had the, the hospital visit. Uh, We had a a birthing class, which I'll get into a little bit later. Uh, And, oh, that's also the last hospital that we went to the day um, that we went to get a checkup on Camille after she had that thing hit her on the, in the windshield. So Everything about this hospital has been dope so far. Um, I'm excited. Well, I'm glad that we're using them. I was going to say I'm excited for all this to go down. I'm excited for like the baby to get here. The actual labor process seems terrifying, but I'll get into that in a second. Um, this hospital is... So we were sitting there on the tour, and before the tour started, we were all in a room, and... Uh, one of the nurses was just giving us background on the hospital and all that kind of stuff, telling us, giving us little information about the maternity ward and all that kind of stuff. And she mentioned that this is a baby friendly hospital. And the first thing that came to my mind was why is it necessary to call a hospital baby friendly, especially if they deliver babies? Like where are all these non baby friendly hospitals that are delivering babies and why are they ever allowed to deliver babies? But, um, that had to do with my own ignorance. So the, uh, baby friendly hospital initiative was started by UNICEF in 1991. And according to their website, They deem a hospital to be baby friendly. Well, okay, so I'll just read what it says. It says a maternity facility can be designated baby friendly when it does not accept free or low cost breast milk substitutes, feeding bottles or teats, and has implemented 10 specific steps to support successful breastfeeding. 
Those uh, 10 specific steps are mentioned on their website. I'm not going to go into them because it'll take longer than I want it to take to read them all. But it essentially pushes all the benefits of breastfeeding. So um, to to be a part of the uh, to be a baby friendly hospital, you have to meet these certain criteria and you have to push to all of uh, your expected mothers the importance of breastfeeding and give them the opportunity to do so. Um, this particular hospital that we're going to use encourages this by encouraging skin to skin contact with the baby. So af right after the baby is born, um, he's going to be placed on Camille's chest and he's going to stay there for at least the first hour. Um, that is supposed to help regulate his body temperature, um, put him back in a, a safe space, really, because, I mean, he's the only thing he knows right now is the inside of Camille's uterus. And after he is like come out of that and he's in this whole new world with these bright lights and all this yelling and talking and all this kind of stuff and it's cold, he's not going to know what's going on. So to try to get him to calm down, get his heart rate down, get his blood sugar right, get his blood uh, body temperature right. You put him on Camille's chest and let him chill there for at least the first hour. Actually, uh, we learned in the in the the uh, birthing class that we took that studies have shown that you're actually supposed to do it for like 20 hours of the first 24. Um, but I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But we'll do it as much as we can, um, at least for that first hour. And also while you're doing that, that also encourages breastfeeding to start. So it'll give him the opportunity to, to latch on and all that kind of good stuff and build that bond with his mother. He'll be able to hear her heartbeat again because that's like one of the sounds that he constantly hears all the time. So again, that's going to be something to try to help him get over that traumatic event that he just suffered of being born. Um, the other thing that it does is it also has like a room in policy, which like, so I guess the image that I have in my head is this is us. Uh, if you, if you've ever watched this is us, you saw how, uh, the, the triplets were born and then they were put in a nursery and everybody goes to the glass like they did in the old school and they're looking in the glass like which one is yours oh there's mine over there they don't do that anymore they don't they don't really have the nursery and at this hospital specifically they try to do everything for the baby inside the room so the baby never leaves your sight and it's not even necessarily so much of a comfort for the parents even though it kind of is it's more so for the baby just because the baby doesn't actually ever have to leave his mother so all the checkups that are done on the baby are usually done while the baby is lying skin to skin with his or her mother, which is pretty dope. And I wasn't really here for that whole going to the nursery thing anyway. Um, but the only reason that they would ever take the baby out of the room at this hospital would be to uh, to circumcise him if he's a boy. And in our case, he is a boy and we are going elect, to elect to have him circumcised. I know that's kind of... In 2019, people debate whether or not you should do it or not. I just feel like if he does it, then there's a lot of... Uh, it'll be easier to clean himself when he gets older. Let's just put it that way. So he's going to do it. Or we're going to do it to him. Um, 
The other thing that happened this week was we had an a birthing class on Saturday at the hospital. Joint was eight hours long. So I I wasn't expecting to have a birthing class, a single birthing class that was eight hours long. I would kind of much rather have eight of them that are an hour long, but that would eat up eight Saturdays. And uh, I guess it was kind of easier to have just one that was eight hours long. But um, so I don't really know that I fully understood the difference between a natural birth and one where drugs are used, where the woman gets an epidural and she ends up having to have Pitocin and all that stuff. And before I even get into that, it turns out that the documentary that we watched was correct. Like the, the lady that was teaching our class was saying all the same things that the docu- documentary was in that whenever a woman is in labor and she gets to the point where she can have the epidural, the epidural stops everything. So it, it, it numbs her from the waist down. She can't feel anything and it it stops contractions so nothing is happening um so ideally it's supposed to be at a time whenever the baby is about to come anyway but then they give you pitocin which is the synthetic version of oxytocin but the thing about pitocin is that it causes contractions to happen but it's it doesn't it doesn't have like a stop or a go it's just go all the time and if you could actually feel it, it would be more painful because it's more intense. But you start doing that. And then after a while, once the epidural wears off, then you have to have another epidural. And then you kind of go back and forth between epidural and, oxy- and uh, pitocin if labor takes a long time. And eventually that ends up coming to the point where the doctor is like, hey, we need to do a C-section because we need to get this joint out. And that's where a lot of women get into trouble. But that was a side note. Turns out the documentary did not, in fact, lie to me, and it was right. Um, but I had never really fully understood the difference between a natural birth and one where drugs were used, and I don't know why. I never thought about it, because uh, for some reason, it uh, never crossed my mind that if you have an epidural, you are not going to be uh, walking around or anywhere else other than in the bed during labor and delivery. Uh, I don't know why that never crossed my mind. Like I've seen the videos of the women giving birth while they're like squatting down or they're on their hands and knees and all that kind of stuff. And it never crossed my mind that those women are, are doing it naturally because um, if they had an epidural, they wouldn't be able to feel their legs be like, I feel like I should have put that together I didn't. Uh, Maybe it's because it's a bunch of stuff around this whole subject that I either have not looked into because it's traumatic and, yo, it's crazy, or just because I'm a dude and I just haven't looked into it. But open my eyes today. Um, There was a whole lot of information that would be helpful to her as well as to me that we learned in this class that... uh, it's definitely going to be helpful to me as I try to support her through labor. So in my head, my role consisted of uh, me being there while she's giving birth and while she's going through labor and holding her hand as she squeezes the entire life out of my hand enough to fracture it. But other than that, I didn't see a whole lot more that I could possibly do. Like I saw myself being her support system, but I wasn't really sure what that looked like you know what I mean so throughout 
all the beginning stages of labor, she's going to be like mad uncomfortable and she's going to be putting her body in a bunch of different positions and trying to get her body ready for labor. And while she's trying to stay calm and all while she's trying to stay calm and fresh, uh, stress free and trying to remember to breathe. So I pictured all of that and I pictured myself being her support system, but I wasn't sure exactly how that looked. So in the class today, they kind of talked about how, how my job is to be her coach and to try to keep her focused and to try to keep her calm and try to keep her relaxed. All of that stuff sounds, um, it sounds like it's not possible because a human is about to come out of a very sensitive area that is not big enough for a human to come through. But my job is to keep her calm and relaxed and, you know, try to keep her chill. So I'm going to try to do that. And in some ways, I already knew that that was my role. But again, I didn't actually know how to do it. So now I have a pretty good understanding. Well, in theory, I have a pretty good understanding of what I need to do as far as if, if she goes, if she gets to where she's kind of frazzled and she's blank and she doesn't know which position to get into next, I can kind of coach her and like, maybe, babe, maybe you should try this one or just lean on me and let's rock a little bit just to get you moving, just to get you loose or massager or anything that I can do to try to get her mind off of this pain of, uh, that she's going to be experiencing. Um, there were a bunch of tips on things that she can do to prevent the need for C-sections and vaginal tearing, which sounds like it might be the actual devil nothing about that sounds good at all even even when it came up in the class everybody was like yo what can we do all the women were like what can we do to stop this from happening and it turns out that there are things that you can do she mentioned like the kegel exercises um just trying to trying to stretch out areas you know dig so um trying to stay loose try to like do squats and all that kind of stuff Camila actually mentioned to me earlier when we were walking around the class looking because we get there early because my wife is always early and uh, we were walking around the class looking at at all the different signage that she had up and one of them reminded her that she had read something that said that she should probably be doing 300 squats a day and she was like I should have started that before uh, or in the early stages of pregnancy because in this stage of pregnancy at week 30 I can't do 10 squats there's no way on God's green earth that I'm about to do 300 and I mean yeah I mean I don't blame her she uh she has a, another person inside of her that is a pretty good size now and yeah she's she's barely walking upstairs she's not about to be out here doing squats not at this stage but uh, one of the things that really was interesting to me is to sit in a room full of couples where all the women could relate 100% to where Camille is now. Not necessarily looking back in the past 20 years and remembering what it was like to be where she is now, but all of them were exactly where she is now. Like everybody in the room had due dates that are within a month of each other. So all these women are going through 
all the same things that Camille is going through. And a lot of them had a lot of the same questions that Camille has had and the things that we've kind of discussed together. So that was kind of cool. I almost feel like maybe we should have made more of an effort to make friends since I don't really have those in Atlanta because I haven't actually like put myself out there to do so. But we did not. Maybe we'll see when we go to this uh, breastfeeding class tomorrow. And the next week on the show, I'll tell you about the breastfeeding class. And hopefully it will be more than a sentence saying we went to a breastfeeding class. Maybe I'll learn something in that joint, too. Uh, fortunately, it's not going to be eight hours long. It'll be two hours, so I'll probably have a lot less to say about it. But it um, should be kind of cool. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining me as I try to find my place in our pregnancy journey. If you dig the podcast, and I'm assuming you do since you're still listening, don't forget to show some love by giving us five stars in iTunes. I hope you have a great rest of your day or night or drive or work day or whatever it is for you, and I'll talk to you again next week. Be good.